0: You know what? I was wrong. Oh, okay, no, you know what? I hear I'm, it's, it's a weird thing that's happening. So come on in, Rick. So, you know what we have is we have our 10 o'clock at 9 o'clock. And that's fantastic. Come awesome. on in. I was hoping come. you'd say that. Yeah, we have our 10 o'clock at 9 o'clock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, there's a little, a little mayhem going on in the studio right now because entering as we speak, and we were just talking about Bruce Baum because it's his birthday today um You know, uh, let's do this. So we're trying to straight on microphones. So Pat, if you'll push that microphone over towards Rick, and if you'll pull that there, and then we are all. Um, we, we, yeah. Those, you know what? Those are optional. The pop, the pop filters are optional. Okay. <laughs> As we were talking about Bruce Baum's birthday, and we were talking about uh, uh, some other things, in walked Miss Pat and uh, the owner of Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, Rick Bronson. And surely, didn't I say? Okay? I said, I said I bet you that Rick will be in today because he knows that he wants to give me a personal apology for not inviting me to see Bruce Springsteen with him. So yes.
1: <laughs> and, until I see an actual Bruce Springsteen image on the walls in here, <laughs> you have not you have not earned that privilege.
0: Well, I've got the source material. i got Dylan behind you. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, yeah. You
1: do. You have a good Jewish boy on the wall. We've established do. We that. We do that. We do that, yeah. So good morning, man. Good to see you, buddy. Long time. Long time, yeah. you been away for a little while. You were in L.A. for a little bit the last uh, couple of times I was in town, I think. I
0: was in Los Angeles. I was on uh, Los Angeles uh, both personal and business. So uh, we still do a little business in Los Angeles, and uh, I have family there. So uh, you have uh, here with you uh, someone that we uh, we're really... Uh, Ms. Pat, how we're are you? We're thrilled to have her. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, fantastic. I was talking with Keith Ellis uh, last night, who is a friend of mine. Oh and, yeah, and he said, he, and he said to me, he he said, Tone, he said, if you get a chance to see this show, you got to see this show. She's like nothing else.
2: Well, thank you, so, Keith.
0: <laughs> so uh, we're thrilled to have you here.
2: Well, is this, thank you for having me.
0: Is this your uh,
2: first time in? Um, no, no, I was here last year when it was like 117. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It was a little cool. Is that, is that what you call cool? Yeah, in the summertime we call
1: that cool. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't the temperature. That's what we paid her a set. She's more <laughs> <boring> now.
2: <out. That's laughs> <laughs> I, I wish. That was the now. I almost made me take my wig off. It was so hot here. <laughs> it's hard to walk around with fake hair and it's hot outside.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it was a little rough. So that was your first time. And where are you from originally?
2: I'm originally from Atlanta. I live in Indianapolis now.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Indianapolis. It, you know, both are great comedy towns. Uh,
2: yes, yeah. oh, okay. well, we just, You
1: know what we were just talking about? I didn't even realize it. Miss Pat was telling me because I always remembered Atlanta being a good comedy town as well. But uh, but the Improv uh, recently it shut closed. down and relocated, mm-hmm. or no? It was they closed
2: for, to get a new spot, and then uh, Punchline closed after thirty some years. He didn't. Chris hasn't reopened yet. Well, he got a spot, but it's inside of the landmark Donner. What?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: We don't have nothing like what Rick got going on here. That's that's really fancy. Few people
0: have what Rick has going yeah, on Rick here. Rick got and some
2: fancy stuff. He yeah. make you feel like you're a comedian. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: Chris DePetta, who owns the Punchline Atlanta, was mm-hmm. he doesn't really need the money from that anymore.
2: Well, he had um, the guy who just had the sitcom, Mike and Molly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He he, yeah. he managed Billy Gardell. And uh, uh, you know that was that was like the ship coming in, man. Yeah. It was like I. Uh, I don't ahead.
1: know. I'm convinced I'm the Billy Gardell good luck charm. Uh, six times he's been booked to play book to play one of our rooms. Uh, we've never had him. Every time he's been booked, he's picked up Mike and Molly. He's yeah. picked up a feature film. Yeah. Uh, I'm the, I, I am the good luck charm. you the Billy good Gardale. luck charm. Billy
0: Gardell. Yeah. Well, you know, Billy opened for me in Richmond in like 1987 or ni- no 1989. He was, he was my opening act, and he was a, a long list of opening acts, including Ralph Harris and Patton Oswald, And So I started to be, well, if you want to be famous, open for Tony. So... <laughs> <laughs> Tony, can I open for you? Are you still doing it? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah. What well, Rick will have me come down Friday late show and do five minutes right after. Right you. after, perfect. And that'll be officially like that you open for me, and then we'll Okay, you're gonna be my little leprechaun. Yeah, that's right. We're going <laughs> Feel to
1: free to rub his belly right now. Go yeah, ahead. I need go a little ahead,
0: leprechaun. Go ahead. And my belly's bleeding, but surely my wife uh, uh, by my doctor's orders. Oh, uh, that's public, your wife? That's my wife. You
2: work with your wife? I work with my wife. You really love him. <laughs> 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 you don't see that anymore working yeah, yeah. with your husband. What are you she, talking
1: about? I work with Tammy. Oh, yeah. let me be
2: quiet. <laughs> I can't work with my husband. He, he, My husband liked to only talk to me. Yeah. I'm like, can you get some friends? I'm tired of hearing these same old lies you tell. <laughs> Should you bring more people into your life and tell these lies? My husband been in the military. You know, you've been in the military, you was such a great soldier. Oh, yeah, whatever. You was a cook. Shut up. <laughs> Your husband was a cook in the military. Uh, he won't tell it, but I believe he was a cook. I he really won't tell He keeps it like he's. got he, to he, he he like just tell you all these comeback stories. That my husband's a mild mannered person. Like I've been shot a couple times trafficking drugs. My husband, <laughs> he's a Christian. He didn't do anything, and he just sat on his butt and earned a check. We let him tell it. He fought for his country, so. Okay. Well, can, can
0: we dial it back a little bit? There was a there was a sentence in in that story about your <laughs> husband that I want to. When he, you were
2: shot a couple times, he didn't th- shoot me. No, your husband uh, didn't shoot. Yeah, you. everybody think my husband shot me. He's like, can you stop telling people I shot you <laughs> in the chest? I said I don't tell people that. My the, my other my last my first baby daddy shot me, and then I lost. Oh, him. okay, okay. By. Then that's normal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's normal when you don't marry a shooter. So yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, it's it's usually not. That's not how it goes. If someone shoots you, you normally don't marry him. Yes, you uh, know, I
2: didn't marry him. I, I had two kids by him, so yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So, but so nothing serious. But I was young. You make mistakes when you're young, you know. <laughs> I'm quite sure you woke up to next to something that you like. Did I really do this in your twenties, thirties? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Don't keep counting on Your yes, life yesterday.
0: <laughs> well, no, not now. Now, now I am a mild mannered grandfather living in the town of Maricopa because um, I, I I lived that life quite a bit when I was quite a bit younger but
2: um i never got shot but you got shot twice yes i got shot twice i lost a nip in a drive-by and uh, uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I don't believe it. Hey, I wait. think she's lying. Well, you, you're not gonna see it because your wife is in the corner. Okay. Well, then it's I'm like not be, trying to lose the <laughs> other one. Then it's like being a doctor. Yes, <laughs> well, that, if that's what you want to say, but I, I don't, don't think I pay my. health You can file my health care. So I'm not I was, doing it. I was to. at my
0: dermatologist the other day. They were doing a full body scan. There were two nurses and a doctor in the room, and I'm standing there naked. I said, "The last time I was in this room with no clothes with this many people, it was the '70s." So you know. So, you? Why was you naked in the doctor's office in the seventies? Oh, I wasn't. We I wasn't in a doctor's office in the seventies. I said, let's say I was in a room with this many people naked. Oh, okay, okay, I
2: get it. Okay, I get it. One of
0: the people you, might have been a doctor.
2: Oh, okay, they liked the party. okay. Okay, I get it. I get it. I don't think I've ever <laughs> been there in that role, but I did get shot a couple of times.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Th- so you you came up you came up rough right you came up on the streets is that yeah, what we're here
2: i grew up in the inner city of atlanta yeah. I had two kids when i was 15 um had a rough life and um somehow I turned it all around with comedy now i get to laugh at it let me ask you this well
0: you know because in the culture i grew up um i explained to someone that the first time i met someone who didn't drink i stared at them like they were an alien the first time i met an adult who you, you didn't drink so culturally for me i didn't realize it was rough because that was our culture yes was it the same for you did you know while you were in the middle of it going it ain't supposed to be this way no
2: you know what's crazy because when i started when i became a comedian people like you made it out i'm like from where yeah. What are you talking about? There, there was the no one for me. That was my rural. Yeah. People was like, "Oh, you are such inspiration." I'm like, uh, "I know a lot of people that didn't make it out. Was they was that inspirational too?" Yeah. So it was kind of shocking there for me because I, I couldn't understand why people was like, "Oh, I feel so. Sorry. Don't feel sorry for me. I get to get paid off this pain that used to be pain."
0: Yeah. So you, so you, you were, you were, you were in the life. Yeah, okay, so I was so a drug dealer. You were a drug dealer. Two I, kids I, at fifteen. Yeah, I, I call it what? What I used to do for a living is I was an unlicensed pharmaceutical rep, so um, in Hollywood. So, okay, uh, and I worked for uh, Jewish people who had Colombian distributors. So uh, see that
2: term will work for you, but I had the loud music <laughs> and the Cadillac with the gold flakes, <laughs> so we were called drug dealers. <laughs> I couldn't say I was a pharmaceutical rep riding around with rims spinning on my car and listening to M. Vogue and, and the N.W.A., so we was considered drug dealers. So did did you do well with it? Did you? Did I did really well with it. It wasn't bad for 15 old. You I was weren't just it. a corner girl. You weren't just on the corner. Yeah, just, I was just on the corner. Of no. course, of course. They drop it in all neighborhoods. Somebody got to put it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I was on a corner. Yeah. So... And Me I'm, and my kids was on the corner. Yeah. So how long did you um uh how long
0: did you uh, work in that industry?
2: Probably about five years. About to five? F- fifteen. I started about fifteen, and I stopped with nineteen when I met my husband. So four or five years. This current husband? Yes. This, this current, current husband. I only been married once. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. Yeah. So, over so, twenty years. I'm so not trying to trade him in yet. Th- so did this guy kind of help you turn your he life did. around? He He yeah? really did. He was out of the military, and what was shocking, I was like, I met a black man with no kids who could read with back teeth so he wasn't really my type you know ma'am you dated someone that wasn't really your type but had some benefits because he was kind of chubby and i was in the skinny guys but i was like i can take this fat stomach for you know a place to live and you know i wasn't attracted to him i was like look fat boy i don't like you but i can grow to like you (laughs) so when i started getting fat we just blended together and been together ever since do you have children with him? Yeah, I have two. They're they're eighteen and sixteen and I have a thirty year old and a twenty nine year old. Yeah, and how are they doing? They are doing great. Yeah. They, they 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 didn't come up. I made sure they didn't come up like I did. Yeah. They've never been to jail, they never been shot. They are doing really well. They work, they go to school, so I'm I'm happy. Good. If you put us together you would never think that I was their mom. People always say Well me and my daughter Look just alike We look like sisters Because we're so close in age But I'm like That's your mom? Like yeah and you know what's crazy? Because I'm country and my kids talk really well. Uh-huh. And they always want to correct me. Mama, you don't supposed to say. Uh, uh, you know, I'm always messing up my words. they be like, "Mom, you don't supposed to say that. i like, shut up. I raised you. Uh-huh. You would be talking like me too had I not uh, got off the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so I always try to remind them how good they got it. Yeah. So they, so they, uh, did you, did you then leave the the inner city or? Did you oh stay yes. Again? Oh, you can't raise no kids in the inner city. Oh, of yeah. course. I was like, you're not sending my kids to jail and shooting my baby. So when I met this great man who didn't have a baby mama, we packed up and left like Jed Clampett, and <laughs> <laughs> we ain't looked back yet. Now, now you said you got shot once you twice, but you've talked about to... my kid's father shot me in the back of the head. So, shot you in the back. Yeah, head. he cracked and then my. Then you skull. started comedy. No, I I was in love. I was like, come get me when they finished with me when I got better, he was there to pick me up. I thought it was love. The man who shot you then picked you up. Yes, that's yeah. what you do back in the day. Yeah, that's true. I that's shot true. him back but though. I don't okay. tell many people I did. He shot me, so I shot him back in the leg. Yeah. He was getting his tired. Female shot empowerment. Yes, yes, I shot him in the <laughs> ankle with a twenty-two, and it broke his whole leg. So they put a cask on his whole leg, and I go to pick him up, uh-huh. and he had, he had like twenty-some kids. So he had called his other baby mama, and I was like, I shot you so I could take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad I was like How dare you call her When I shot you I want to take care of you I want to write on your cast It's it's practically
1: Shakespearean Isn't it It is Romeo
2: and Juliet I pull up at the hospital He got his other baby Mama now So I go crazy I jump in my car And started chasing them In my car In front of the hospital And he fell over And I hit his cast And it broke his cast And so they had to Take him back In the hospital And I told him If you don't let me Pick you up Every time you come out that hospital door. I'm gonna break a cast. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, he let me pick him up from the hospital. So
0: you found a you found a way to work together on this. Yeah yeah. 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 And and so how much after this? How how much longer did the the relationship last?
2: Oh, a while longer. It was about. Two, three years after that and then i started you know women we outgrow men so i was like um i'm getting older i got a son i don't want to see my kids grow up in this environment they daddy can't read the mama selling drugs in front of school i was like i gotta find a way out of here yeah so i just started to outgrow him i was like where are we going with this i mean people ain't gonna be on crack forever i need i need something else you know he dropped out (laughs) i dropped out and i was like i can't keep it up with this So I met a man and I left. I like,
0: you know, people aren't going to be on crack forever. We're going to have <laughs> to find a new product. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was so.
2: no new product coming out at the time. Maybe we're so I changed. So the
1: baseball cap business. <laughs> people are going to stop using crack,
2: they always wear hats. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was no it was no new drug coming out. So I just changed my field. So, let me ask you this, because um,
0: um, I came from a chaotic environment, sound like you came from a chaotic environment. One of the problems. Mm-hmm. coming from a chaotic environment even though you want to leave it is sometimes you miss the chaos oh my
2: you miss it when i moved in you, mi- you
1: miss the material
0: yeah, <laughs> you oh, I think she's got plenty. Yeah. <laughs> I got relatives
2: still there. She
1: still got the one nipple left to shoot yeah. off. Exactly.
2: <laughs> you really missed like I really missed it. I, you know, standing on the corner, hanging out with friends, and you're like, wow, this boring, just living a normal life, yeah. going to McDonald's, clocking in for five twenty-five, got customers streaming at you. Yeah, and I hated that life, so I started to to find to do stuff on my own. So I started doing vending for the Falcons. Uh-huh. So that kind of like I was more in control And I could I could go to work When I want to work My thing is I want to work When I want to work Yeah Because you know? my granddaddy Was a bootleg man If he didn't unlock the door You didn't get any You didn't get any moonshine that Yeah day. So he taught me from Early on, get your own money. So when I started doing vending, that helped me out a lot. But it was rough in the beginning because I would sneak back to go sell drugs, and my husband would get so mad. Sure, yeah, because <laughs> you know he's this. My husband got you know, good credit, go to work, and he all about being on time, never being late. I, you know, I come from an environment. If if I get up, I be there.
0: It was it, was it was, he would sneak off to sell drugs he'd <laughs> be home reading the paper and going uh, so where you
2: been <laughs> oh you know down at Walmart and I saw Judy and. I, oh really is, is Judy buying crack from you you know he was like where you been today I was like oh I went and hustled up me some money today oh where you gonna stop him to me my husband was lame because he was like a Christian never been to jail I'm like shut up I remember one time our lights got cut off because his daddy talked to him into getting his brother out of jail yeah. which made me piss me off I was like how are you gonna take our light bill money and give it to somebody else and you don't know how to turn the lights back on yeah well thank god i knew how to turn the lights back on because we could have been a whole weekend Um, without lights there was anybody close enough to borrow any power Uh, No, we used to do that when we (laughs) were little. My mama ran a drop cord to my next door neighbor house till she got a welfare check. And one time, my mama, the lady said, Mildred, you owe me $30 for using the lights for the month. My mama cussed the lady out. So the lady said, oh, you going to cuss me out when you using my lights? She yanked that drop cord and the little lamp and the hot plate went off (laughs) and the TV. (laughs) I'm like, mama, you got to learn who to cuss out. You don't cuss out the lady who let us plug up our drop cord. So at night, you know how people had a little plug on the back of their door, on the back of their house. Yeah, she would make us sneak over there and plug it on, Drop yeah. cord. So you would wake up in the morning, this long drop cord going across the street, and she'd be like, "Unplug it before they wake up." <laughs> 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 so we, we was real poor. Like my mama cooked outside on a barbecue grill. Yeah, she cooked everything from frying chicken to making biscuits. Don't ask me how you make biscuit on a barbecue grill. But our next door neighbor would call the police on my mama because she was smoking them out because my mom didn't use the proper stuff like yeah. she would go out and get wood and put on a barbecue grill and just smoke <laughs> up the whole porch and a man called the fire department one day and he convinced my mom to put it outside in the yard so yeah. now all the kids walk by the school and be like put Patricia poor, her mama fried chicken on a barbecue grill. And so I got a black parent who don't care what they say. So I was like, Mama, can you cook on the back porch? She said, shut up. Do you want to eat? And I'm like, yeah. She said, well, go out there and get some more wood. So you walk by my house. My mama got fried chicken, butter beans, and hot cakes. You know the little hot cakes going on a barbecue grill in the middle of the day.
1: It sounds like the best diner I've ever heard (laughs) of.
2: (laughs) It was embarrassing. (laughs) But we ate. We had a good hot meal. She would feed us Monday through Thursday. And she'd tell us on Friday. She said, look, I don't mess with you kids on Friday. That's my get high day. So she said, you got to feed for yourself.
0: Well, hey, yeah, I remember my uh, my pop used to every Friday they would they buy groceries and we think maybe they bought something for us and he come run up the steps with two cases of beer and go shut up now, Dad's gonna have a beer. My mama was kept
2: that. my mama. You remember the private stock bottles? Yeah. Many people don't. You remember private stock? That is the worst stuff that you can ever drink. Yeah. And my mama used to drink those green private stock. The bottle was so thick it was green. If you dropped it on concrete, it would even break. Yeah. And black people loved that. And after that came the quart bottle. And my mama did everything unsexy. Like she would sit there, she would drink out of a quart bottle and smoke her Winston cigarette. She looked like a lesbian, but she wasn't. She just didn't have a man. (laughs) She never told a pocketbook. She told a man, Wallace, I'm not lying. If you unfold it, everything you got in your purse was in my mama's wallet. (laughs) She was the most unattractive woman I ever. That's why I don't drink now. Because she made drinking look unsexy to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was. She didn't have no front teeth, and she had four of them, <laughs> and they, they, they was riding. Yeah. So she'd just be sitting there like a, a old hippie's on the porch with her quart bottle smoking. She smoked uh, filtered or unfiltered cigarettes? Filtered. Filtered. See, my yeah. mom smoked Paul Malls. Your mama probably Ooh. was one those, little sexy. The little, the Virginia Slim was. No, sexy. Uh, Paul,
1: Paul Malls It just may have just said cancer on the, cover yeah, of the box. yeah. Just a, a ready.
0: Right. She used to send me to when we lived in the inner city. There was a confectionery on the corner, and it was run by some old people named the Cutmeyers, and who were probably mine. real nice people, but they looked scary, you know. And she would, and, and I was a little kid, and she sent me over for milk and cigarettes and a bottle of beer, but you could do that. Yes. Yeah. yeah did, you, did your mom ever see that? My up? mama
2: used to send us to the store And he would write down whatever we got He gave her credit till she got her check But my mama used to have us light her cigarettes And people were like, really? Yeah. We was like six years old? We was bartending When my mama woke up, we knew she wanted two ice cubes A cup of gin and a cup of water You had that before she got the cold out of her eyes And when <laughs> she would tell us to go light her cigarettes And I hated lighting her cigarettes So I would burn it up And one day she slapped me She's like, you don't know how to light no cigarette I'm like According to what they say at school, we don't supposed to be lighting cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the third grade. I don't think we're supposed to be lighting cigarettes. But well, my sister be that back there just a puff. It I was like, the teacher said you're going to die smoking that stuff. So she never she stopped me from lighting a cigarette. <laughs> you got you got can't on. do that good on stuff anymore. I tell my kids all the time, I was like, yeah, I don't know how good you got it.
0: Yeah, I mean, my old man would tell me, "Go get your dad a beer," and I come back and he look at me and go, "You want a sip? <laughs> you know." So and I'm, you
2: knew how to pour it, too, then.
0: I knew how to pour. You it? know how to pour. So you ask my, them up Too much in you know, yeah. You
2: ask my kids to pour a beer, they would be confused. <laughs> they don't know anything. I, I tell my kids, I said, I think the ice cream man could kidnap you kids. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, they don't know how good they get. I say when I was coming up, everything went. I mean, yeah. I remember as a kid and I tried this on stage and people look at me like I'm lying. It was something called a dingling man. He came by every Friday and he was like the dingling man out there. And the teacher be like, just stay away from the dingle man. They <laughs> lock up the dingling man. But he scared us and he kept us in line. Yeah, <laughs> You can't do that anymore. They they lock him up. Well,
0: there was used to be like a, a rag man in, in our neighborhood. He came to and, and my grandparents used him to scare us. They go, All right, if you don't behave, the rag man's gonna take yeah, you. He was just to, some guy, you know, that that's how he's making his buck. Going through trash cans, getting stuff and sell, but he was a scary looking guy. And he go, the ragman will take you away.
2: Yeah, yeah. but these kids aren't scared of anything now.
0: No, well they don't know. I played with my grandson yesterday, and I and we're joking, and I go. I go hey I, and he's four and I says uh, I says if, you, if we keep doing this not we were messing up the bed because we were pillow fighting he goes Nana might get upset he goes well if not he gets upset we have to tell her the truth and I go that never occurred to me when <laughs> I was four yeah to tell a
2: grown up the truth you they, know they know how to use tablets and they have to have a two year old that know how to use the iPad she come <laughs> in the house and say give me my iPad oh uh, excuse me you ain't bought no iPad yeah yeah, I have a grandbaby that, my grandbaby is so small, and I try to tell her mama, beat her. Not yeah. beat her, whoop her. Yeah. And baby, just run her. I get up. I'm ready to go. You
0: three. <laughs> you now, th- Do you spank your kids?
2: My kids are, my son is 600, I mean 300 pounds. I can't spank <laughs> <But> him. <laughs> when they were little, did you spank him? Yes, them? I spanked them all yeah. the time. You have to spank them. Well, they're spanking us now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: back in the day, yes, I used to uh, spank mine.
0: See, I, I, I've got, I've got one daughter, and she's twenty five now. And when I, when she was little, I was going to spank her, and I, and I, I said, and I said to my wife at the time, I go, you know, my parents hit me, and look how I turned out. And then I stopped from it. I went, maybe I'll use a different method, because I didn't want her to turn out like me. What? Well,
2: so, well, you can't whoop them anymore. You yeah. go to jail. Yeah. My mama used to whoop us all the time with switches. Yeah. But you can't whoop them. I don't. My husband like to talk to the kids. Uh, yeah, they like to talk. See, that's, and, that's me. But you, you know. know what? You know what my daughter asked me the other day? She said, how much money are you going to be making when you're Because when you get back, I need you to do something. <laughs> could have never asked my mama for her welfare check she would have beat the dog crap out of me mama i'm gonna need your welfare check when it come in the mail this day and i'm gonna need your Social security too no they, they don't care what they say and they got all the rights in the world <laughs> and i told i said why don't you go get a job well why would i get a job when legally you're responsible for me until i'm 18 why would i mess this up oh my god she told my son quit your job these people are responsible for you <laughs> are you sending her to like private school or is she gonna oh no no i tried but they didn't like it <laughs> they didn't, they like, didn't like private school lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I got fat kids. I got fat kids. The private school, the Christian Academy, was not going to let them eat overeat. Public school will let you overeat as long as you got money in your account. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. That's true. So, no, they went They went like two years to private school.
0: Now, you moved. Uh, when did you move to Indianapolis? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. So, yeah. they've, they've, they've been in Indianapolis for quite some time. Yes, they have. All the right. last two. All right. And so... I said, uh, as I remembered it, Indianapolis was a good comedy town. But you just kind of bat at your eyes for a moment.
2: It's it's pretty good. It's not as much as Atlanta has. Yeah, it's not as much. I had when I I left. So it's just like two, three clubs there. And then they they said in their old ways, if you work one, you can't work the other one, which I don't like. So Uh, I've never heard of of this
1: kind of craziness. (laughs)
2: really well yeah. i don't i'm
1: with you i don't I, yeah. as a comic f- i mean tony and i've ta- talked about yeah. this many times on air i'm a firm believer that it's a hard enough living for any comic to yes. make a buck that you cannot dictate as a club owner where and when they cannot work i do believe in headliners that they'd be you know i have no problem with the same headliner playing two clubs in the same market as long as it's kind of like oh. on a six month in six sure because it's kind of ridiculous to spend money promoting and getting guys yeah on, but um, but for features and MCs to be told when and no, when you cannot. It, it, it actually hurts a club that tells them not to because you're just taking stage time and improvement out of their control. You I wish what? you
2: would come to India yeah. and do a speech because you, if you play Crackers, if you play if you play Mortys, you can't play Crackers. crackers. But Ma- Mortys don't care. But they so set in their old ways. Is this Steve Bobek? Does
0: he still own Crackers? Do you know or? i don't know
2: i know ruth ann is
0: still there Ruth ann, so i remember ruth ann from she's still in, there yes uh, and, they, to, and they're still sitting there always a woman named sandy di used to book those clubs who was real influential back in the 80s and 90s having a lot of people and then a guy named steve Bobek owned it he had it down in uh, the suburbs then he took over chicken patties to city oh, yeah. clubs he took over there two those and turned i heard chicken patty you know yeah. the
2: crackers downtown uh downtown Downtown closed. No, that closed. Yes, yeah, it just okay. closed last year.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, his thought was, I got two clubs, and I, you know, I, you know what, I'm beginning to notice in this town is that there are certain uh, comics, and and I'm I'm not casting aspersions on them, but they have a deal with certain clubs, and they go, well, we'll use you here x amount of times, but they then have a difficult time. Taking what they do with those clubs because that's all they were
1: they're only playing the same room
0: yeah and and doing it and doing it anywhere else you know exactly you know? I,
1: and i'll say all i mean I, without mentioning names i've had a couple of local comics as of recent send me emails saying we i'd now like to come work your room i'm like well you weren't able to work it yeah you know uh, for mm-hmm. the last six months because of this uh uh you know because of your arrangement. That you're working yeah. under. And um, but as soon as that they feel that they might be moving off to another city, like heading to New York or LA, and, yeah. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, whatever rules they've been living under are out the window. But I said, look, I, the same way you've been loyal, I'm going to be loyal to the comics that have been working for us from sure. the get go, sure. and it's not that I'm gonna. Uh, not book you, but yeah. I, you know we have our loyalties as well at this point, and we've developed a good crop of local MCs and features here that we like certainly to keep have into a rotation. And uh, and you know me, the way we've always booked and uh, is uh, unlike most clubs where the MC is the sacrificial lamb. Our MC should be the next strongest person on the show yeah. after the headliner because we believe it's their show. They're up on stage all night, and it's important for them to set up a Miss Pat so that her success is uh, absolutely guaranteed.
0: Somehow, at the beginning of all this, you know, because if you look back in like, uh, if you go way back in comedy in vaudeville, uh, the uh, the opening guy was actually often
1: the strongest guy. It was his show. Well, which you never- you go to New York, you go work, you go down to the cellar, you work any any club in New York. You're following one of the best acts in all of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's true. what gets you good. Yeah. I mean, you have to follow strong acts. That's what makes you strong.
0: Yeah. So, and then somehow at the dawn of this in the in the uh, clubs, it became that the the weakest act and not that he's always going to or he or she are always going to be but the newest the the greenest act was the opening act which always made it for you know to try to build the show out of that was always a little difficult so I've always I've always liked what you do so did you so you started out in Atlanta Pat
2: I started out at Uptown Comedy Uptown Comedy yeah, yeah sure sure I've heard of that yeah, that don't change hands several times but yeah. I started there and yeah then I was kind of you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. Uh-huh. Then I moved to Indianapolis and got into the mainstream environment. And I was like, what the world was I doing for five years? So I had to kind of like start all over. Uh-huh. Because they wasn't going for... Mainstream clubs don't go for what urban clubs go for. You know, yeah. right? you can get up there and host until you tired. Then you, it, be, it could be four hours before you bring up the headline. Oh, uh, okay. But you don't do that in mainstream clubs. Yeah. So I had to, you know, relearn a lot of stuff.
0: Um... So did you work like uh, the Southern stuff, Heffron stuff and all that? Did you did you tour down there?
2: Not not much because I was like four or five years in when I moved to Indy and uh, really wasn't touring. I was just an MC almost uh, feature act. So yeah. I moved to Indy and I started over and I became a feature act. Okay. So I work a little bit for Heffron. I used yeah. to open for Arnaz J. Sure. So he does a lot of Heffron stuff. Yeah. So I would go in with Arnaz. Yeah. And then I would go in with uh, I went to well his lo- that venue with uh Cat. I used to open for Cat Williams. Sure, sure. So I opened for him for a little while. And then what's going race. on with him now?
1: <laughs> him and Kevin Hart are <laughs> best of buddies. What are you talking about?
2: People <laughs> always asking me, I don't know. He just go through these things, sometimes when he just feel like he want to slap everybody. All right, so let me ask you, and not not to get deep in the paint, but uh, you know Cat
0: Williams, I became aware of him, you know, with his first special. Uh, and I wha- thought it was after
1: your first live at the Apollo. <laughs> yeah. Was it not at that? No?
0: no? No, but I played the Comedy Union in L.A., so, you know, there give you me go. that. So uh, I was actually standing there one night and I go, We need an MC. And I go, You used to do comedy, huh? <laughs> and I went, Yeah. <laughs> that was an experience. But um, anyway, I became aware of him. I go, This guy is funny. Yes. Okay, this he guy is, is funny. Very and, funny. And kind of raw that he didn't, whatever, however he came up, it, it was unique. You know, the way he lays out his material and his jokes and what he does, you know. Uh, The structure is just pure comedy yes okay and uh and then um but i heard what he talked about and stuff and so here's my question for you so he came from kind of the environment you're talking about
2: no his parents was educated his parents were educated yes his parents i don't think he had a rough beginning okay i think his mom is a school teacher but then didn't he kind of like drop down into like a hardcore life or i think he did later on i mean he talks about being a pimp I don't think he was really a pimp, but I don't know. Really? I mean he might be, I don't know. I don't Okay. I don't know that part of it. It's okay him. if he was. I mean it's okay We're if not he was. Judge him for that. No, no, I no. mean I know a, a well, no. I know a few pimps. Well I know a few ex pimps. I've never known a happy pimp.
0: Have you ever known a pimp that was just like happy-go-lucky, Well, have it? you
2: ever known anybody who had a business that was always happy? That's true. It's going to be some slow <laughs> days. It's I, I know some happy Johns. Maybe some not happy j- some happy pimps, <laughs> but some happy Johns. It's going to be some slow days that you're going to have to start over. Yeah. Or you're gonna, hey, you're going to have too many employees and not enough customers. Yeah. So, personnel
0: issues. Hey, personnel <laughs> issues. So yeah. I don't know. So he didn't start out. He, he started out with a middle-class life. Because I'm wondering as I watch him go through his adversity right now. I just think he's dealing with other stuff. I That's what I think. Yeah. You haven't talked to him lately?
2: No, I have not. Yeah. I've not talked to him. He's a good guy. I mean, yeah. very intelligent. I mean, when he cut that whole act off, I learned a lot from him. Yeah. When I was working with him, my father passed away, oh. and um, I was planning a funeral, and you know how we do black people. We always die with no life insurance. Yeah. So I'm trying to get everybody together and get the money. He overheard me. He just gave me $4,000 for my father's funeral and I was like dude do you know I was just about to put my daddy in a brown paper sack until you gave me this money now I have enough money so he's always going to be grateful to me I don't know why he's running around slapping people but I think every six months he just like to slap white people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they always down south white people. Can't he just hire a white guy to slap? You know, like a
0: whipping boy. Uh,
2: he probably could down south, but every time I look up, he doesn't slap some white dude from Target to a pool store. Yeah, he likes slapping white people. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what he in trouble
0: for now. Okay. <laughs> you know, I uh, I remember uh, years ago I attended a um, a black funeral. Uh, a friend of mine uh, he just had a heart attack and dropped. And, uh, and He we, just had a heart attack and dropped. I mean, it was just—it was one of those where he's talking to you and boom, keeled over. So, um, and we and uh, I went and I was there, and uh, the person I sit next to, and we go, and it was the greatest damn show I'd ever seen. I go, if this ever gets you, out, we're all out of business.
2: You let me tell you something. It's nothing like a black funeral. I mean, you can when my when my <laughs> I got to. My grandfather passed, so. Uh, he was like ninety some years yeah. old, so didn't have much. My my cousin took care of him. So we we in this little place looked like a garage, but they said it was a church in yeah. the hood. So they got my grandfather. Casket right next to one of the old gas heater with the little the little things in it, and he's just a sweating. And I'm like, do y'all know this body is full of chemicals? Turn the heat off. <laughs> so I go out and tell him, hey, I think granddad in there sweating. I walk back in there. This is a true story. My my cousin kids they punching the heck out of my granddad. They just hitting him and pulling his hair. And I was like, what are y'all doing? And he's like, why he so hard? I'm like, he dead. <laughs> and so and then man, you my, my and I went through A good old whipping. He just stopped sweating So my <laughs> sister Who smoked crack She get up and sang The song I want a sparrow I don't know if y'all know that That's an old black Christian mm-hmm. You know I want a sparrow I don't know the song Gospel kind of Gospel yeah. yeah it's real So my, while she's singing My cousin leaned over She was like Now you know that crack here I ain't know no sparrow Her eyes on a rock <laughs> So my husband Ain't used to this Kind of environment He laughing so hard I look at him I said Why is you crying On my granddaddy You didn't know him like that He couldn't My husband literally couldn't not breathe, and I don't know if you noticed, but at black funerals, they take up collection plans. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know why. Why do we do that? <laughs> and then at the end, what we always get, we get a rest in peace cake. You whoever died, they get a big old cake with their face on it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, the, the one I
0: went to, there was uh, arguments about who should sing, so there were competing choirs. So there were two choirs singing at this, at this funeral, and they were both trying to out-sing each other, and I thought, I thought they were going to come to blows. So, were you laughing? Uh, I wasn't going to laugh. I was the only white guy there. <laughs> the guy was a buddy of mine. You know, he was actually my next-door neighbor. So, uh, so I just – but I'm, I, I thought, man, this is, this is the best – and the uh, preacher was also a guy who sold policy in the neighborhood. He talked about. It. He goes, now y'all probably know me from selling a little insurance, because he sold burial insurance. But he was also a preacher.
2: I remember a, a, people don't even remember the insurance man. We had an insurance man, yeah, a white guy. That's the only time they came to the. Hood. It was the police or the insurance man <laughs> or the caseworker. <laughs> and this white guy so everybody, saw everybody a policy. But when they started to die, he disappeared because uh, none of the policies uh, were real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Gulf Life. That yeah. was the name of the insurance. Nope, Gulf Life. That's how old his was. And somebody died and figured out. It was it was a fake policy. Now, mind you, this white dude would come to the house every Sunday, took collect once a month. And he would sit down and eat with you and tell you how much you appreciate your business and want none of the policy real. And then find out till the lady across the street died.
0: Yeah, was there were there uh, uh, was there a numbers racket when you were a kid? Was there you know? Oh, yeah. where well you
2: where you from? You've <laughs> you been around. We, it was called a number man Tony before '85, by the way.
1: There's a lot of plastic surgery in Scottsdale. A lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was the uh, that is the, the
1: poster child of Botox right there, Mike.
2: <laughs> Tony, you know too much. I do. When, when we was little, the number man came to the house twice a day before the Georgia line. He was this real fat man, and he was writing down the numbers. And and he was set that he had, he had a sleep apnea so he would just fall asleep <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 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 and I tell you My mama when We when I grew up in a bootleg household My mama taught me how to go in all the drunk people's pocket And steal their money And she would give me $5 <laughs> per wallet <laughs> And so But the number man is the only pocket that I never robbed Because he was so fat And I couldn't get to his wallet anyway Hey, oh, <laughs> But he would wake up on a dime And say okay I need to go put your numbers in uh-huh. So we, my granddaddy played the number Wait, Yes no. Twice a day
0: well, but, but People, if people don't know what we're talking about it used to be a numbers man it was also called the policy racket and the reason it was called the policy racket because people who were poor yeah uh, they had a choice either they paid their insurance man so they have their burial insurance or they pay the policy man and usually they play the numbers they wouldn't be able to pay for their burial insurance yeah so that was a huge thing in cities you know throughout the 30s 40s 50s into the 60s uh, possibly 70s, because I was born in
2: 72. Yeah. Yeah, the number man came twice a day. He played it in the morning and in the evening. He was sitting there and collecting everybody. Know. And I remember my granddaddy winning $50 all the time.
1: I think it was known as Black Powerball. <laughs> 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 well,
2: you might be right.
1: <laughs> my great grandfather won
0: something called the Irish sweepstakes in like the 30s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Absolutely. like a neighborhood thing and, <clears> and went <throat> out and bought, bought like this land out in the country where we, my, my folks moved us from the inner, inner, inner city out to the country and the people in the country were worse because the inner city you knew where you couldn't walk and where you couldn't yeah. go oh, we don't go down that alley that's those kids alley is that but out in the country they, they just pop out from behind the trees going hey <laughs>
2: <laughs> <But> scary <laughs> you're
0: not from around here are you yeah <laughs> you want to fight <laughs> you, you want what <laughs> you want to fight <laughs> <laughs> and then you fight a guy and they go let's go get some chicken strips so oh you want to fight yeah, yeah okay yeah,
2: yeah. But,
0: uh, Wow, wow, man. Uh, have you ever
2: been to Atlanta? I have been to Atlanta. I grew I'm up th- in that my, my granddaddy's bootleg house was in, uh, in Decatur. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. in Decatur. I spent a lot of time when I used to tour down south. Uh,
0: not a funny story, but uh, kind of a poignant story. I uh, found out that my father had passed away while I was playing the punchline. In between shows i'd gotten a phone call and uh this is like in 1999 2000 and i thought it was someone i was trying to get older it was my mother telling me that my uh so i was in atlanta when i found that out so uh with uh chris DePetta and some other people so okay. uh, but i used to I, I used to tour the south when i first started uh the south um there was this whole kind of comedy war going on down south where the punchlines lines had all these really nice clubs the atlanta punchline yep. had franchise. And then a guy named Brad Greenberg wanted to start, and he'd had uh, uh, he had male strippers and a wrestling bear. So naturally, he was going to get into comedy. Yeah. So uh,
2: male stripper and a wrestling bear. That's what he
0: used to tour. You'd go to a show. He used to He, used he to,
2: wrestle a bear? No, he hired a guy to wrestle a
0: bear. Who? He had he, oh. Brad Greenberg was like a promoter, and he
2: had a bear with no claws or teeth. Oh and male strippers well, They're easy to beat then, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <And he laughs> more t- like a black granddaddy. <laughs> 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 ha, 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 that's what my grandmother looked like—no claws, no teeth.
1: <laughs> but a really hairy, son of a. Bitch, <laughs> he was Harry.
2: He was hairy. <laughs> well, they. <laughs>
0: he went, he then went in the comedy business and went to compete with the punchline. So he opened up next to military bases all over, and that's how Heffron's business started. Heffron started as an intern with that with that company.
2: Oh really? Yeah. So, you got some comedy history because I don't know what you're talking about. I used
0: to <laughs> I used to take uh, uh, trailways buses between gigs down south In like the '80s. Oh, I would be a comic and they Trailway.
2: Went, they wasn't even Greyhound was yet. That was before Greyhound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we well, had
0: Red Arrow up yeah. in
1: Canada. That's yeah. where we had the well, Red Trailways
0: Arrow. Got bought by Greyhound eventually. Yeah. yeah, They they were like and they were like the budget one. And you went to towns, man. They stopped in towns. You go, man. No one else has been in this town, but six, except these people for like fifty years. You know. So yeah. So uh, I, I I know I know the area well. Well, man, it has been. You are. Um, you know what you got to do. Okay. What? Once you got the once you got your thing going on, you know, and and you and you. And you you got to write a book. Now, I th- got
2: ahead. a I'm, I, I got a book deal with Harper Collins. Okay, it was supposed to come out in June. It got pushed back. I guess I spelled a few words wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but they're revising it. So hopefully it'll be you, out sometime this year. You, you know,
1: Miss Pat. I mean, you know, we both know Joey Coco Diaz. So, sure. So Miss Pat reminds me a lot of just. I mean, uh, um, when you talk to Joey and really get to know him and listen to his backstory, and same with me. I mean, Miss Pat, we've been driving around for the last couple of days doing media, and I swear I could do, I could do this for the next month because. Uh, The stories that and the history where she comes from and what she's lived through, it's it's mind-numbing. It's hard to believe even people like her and Joey can take that sure. history and even find any ounce of humor in it to be able to turn their lives around. And, it, I mean, it's really, it's one, it's inspiring. And, two, I mean, it's, it's astonishing to think that in this day and age that people are still living like this, that there's yes. still pockets of the world where – um, you know the numbers guys probably still showing up and taking the numbers. Yeah. Up, you know what I mean. Yeah. Even though you
0: go down to buy a fireball Seven Eleven, people are still going. Yeah. Some people don't trust the store. Yeah. My yeah. granddad. I know the been... history
1: is unbelievable. Yeah. So, I mean I'm fat. I can't wait to get the book. I'm first you, in line. You really
0: hit on something though. You said there's people that don't realize they don't. One of the one of the great things about comedy, okay, is that uh, everybody can sit in this room from like somewhat uh, different backgrounds, yes. and we're all talking to one another. Most people I encounter nowadays, they just kind of segregate off. I mean, this group, it, it, it's not its not segregation in the classic form, but it's almost like a a, a uh, voluntary segregation. I'll, I'll talk to people who are hardcore right-wing or hardcore left-wing to go, I don't even know anybody who thinks like that. And I go, well, that's the problem. You don't know anybody who thinks like that. You don't know anybody who's been through that. Yes. You don't understand that. I heard a guy one time say, well, if you don't like your job, you just quit your job. I go, not if you got a wife and three kids and... And you're in a mid-sized city anyway, and you don't have enough money to even rent a damn
2: U-Haul. You know, I was just talking to a police friend of mine in, in, in Indianapolis. He's is my well, Hold on, no.
0: don't, you, don't you feel good being able to say that phrase?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, my say like, time, you so police you, can, friend. you got police <laughs> Yeah, but I was just talking to him, and um, and I, we was talking about the whole Trump thing, how Trump is going crazy. And I said, I don't care how you vote. I'm talking about hatred. That's what scared me. Sure. Divi- division. I don't. I didn't live through the 50s and 60s, and you know, I lived yeah. through the 70s. But by the time I realized what was going on, we was getting along a little bit better. Uh-huh. I said, so I don't want to go back there. And immediately, guess what? He wrote me back. Right. Well, it's your boy Obama. I said, you got a problem right there. I said, yeah. well, I've, I didn't vote for uh, Bush, but I didn't have a problem. He was our president. Was so president. I respect. Pr- why yeah. can't you respect what people vote for? Well, Obama did. I said, y'all. Y'all, y'all stop treating Obama like a black daddy. This man here is not your black daddy, okay? Yeah. He didn't run off. He, he yeah. stood up to what yeah. he's supposed to stand up to. But when they say Obama, they they, they always want to say Obama when it's somebody black. He's Obama-fuck. Well, what you telling me for? I don't know Obama.
1: I, I learned something a long time ago doing a, a rehab program. That I, you know, when I was on pain meds with my Crohn's sure. disease for so yeah. long, I ended up... Um, And, you know, it's funny, there's so much separation in classes and division and people from different uh, different social economic backgrounds, different uh, geographic backgrounds. But I learned that uh, um, uh, an instructor, a trainer, once told me a phrase that's just stayed with me my whole life, and w- that was to stop looking for the differences in people yes. and find the similarities in people. Absolutely. Because you can find a similarity in anyone you sit down to. You might be completely different walks of life, but there is something, there is a nugget there of similarity that is the absolute ground zero for being able to build something off of.
0: You know what was uh, uh one of the rais- reasons I came up the way I did was I-, I was raised racist. I was raised racist. I mean really yeah. not against blacks,
1: hates Jews. <laughs>
0: and stand the Jews. No. We, I grew up I grew up on one of those uh, that the, the N word was used as much as is as, as high it's or in rap of, music. In ex- rap music. No, 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 no. More <laughs> than rap music?
2: Good God of mine, I'm <laughs> surprised you changed. <laughs> it was my father.
0: It was my dad who was a closet liberal. Who would then like? Uh, we lived in a three-room railroad apartment in the inner city, and all the men would sit in the living room, and all the women in the kitchen, all the kids playing in the middle room, and you'd just hear this talk nonstop and just hateful. But they'd leave, and my dad would come at me, and go, "Now I can't say anything. That's my dad and my brother, and anything." He goes, "But they're the same as us, Tony. They Ain't no different, you know." And he worked at a a factory, a carburetor factory, and uh, he was a, a union rep. And he goes, "He goes, I work with these guys. They're good guys, and." Um, uh, just pulling my own covers a little bit. At one point, my mom was in a hospital, and my mom was more agreeing with the family. And my dad goes, your mom's in the hospital. She can't say nothing. I'm taking you kids to a black guy's house. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like nine. I'm like nine going, a black guy's house? You know, he goes, this is a good guy. And I still remember the guy's name. His name is Joe Peoples. Years later, thir- maybe 30 years later, okay, I'm walking in the Melrose Improv, and the doorman there checks my ID and goes, Visek, Visek, he goes, are you from St. Louis? And I go, yeah. He goes, did you ever go to a guy's house named Joe Peoples? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm Lorenzo. I was the kid. You know, <laughs> and he was the doorman. So it was my father that really kind of opened my eyes to what you were talking about, about finding the same, you know. And uh, uh, and that's
2: what, I think that's what people who, like, white wing, they don't want, that, like, my friend posts stuff on there, like, all Democrats are lazy. I'm like, dude, I'm your friend. I have yeah. a job. My husband, you a cop. My husband make more money than you do. Yeah. And so do I. What are you talking about? Everybody vote Democrat. Is not lazy. Yeah. I mean you got you got bull crap in every race. I mean you got people in Mississippi who vote Republican and who won't even go out and work. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Yeah. That's what I can't get him to see. I'm like, open your eyes. We all the same. We, like he he was like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay for some of the black shoes. I said I'm, I'm down the line with some of the black shoot. I said, but you can't tell me you shoot a 12-year-old in the park, and that's okay with a play gun. I said, if that kid were white, would you be thinking the same? Oh, I don't want to hear that. That's what's wrong with yeah, you. You I don't want to open right your eyes. I, I was just telling him before we got here. My mama raised me and said, let me tell you something. White people is better than you. Don't ever look them in the eye. They're devils. I was scared of white people until I was in my late 30s when I became a comedian in Indianapolis. I thought it was a different. What's the difference is, I turn brown without the sun and you don't.
1: Yeah, well tell, tell you know, she said something to me in the car, if you don't mind me. No, you, no. Miss Pat, tell them uh, what you told your, uh, what your mother taught you about white people.
2: I just told him. He told told yeah. me uh, what uh,
1: that we are all uh, all the devil. Also. Yeah, we
2: all white people's the devil. Right don't look the devil. in the eye because that's how they. That's I told him. That's what you think in the inner city. My mama also said if a man don't hit you, he don't love you. so, so for years, <laughs> yeah. I got punched around and beat on. Top. I was like, hey, love don't supposed to hurt like this.
0: Some lessons we were learned from our parents are yes. good, and some are bad. Some are not, bad. I'm not going to say which or which, but here's what I'm saying. Okay, I had uh, uh, I had neighbors in in Panorama City, California, and it, this was a blood family. You know, it, it was blood. crypt. they were bloods. You know, and uh, there were two little kids. One of them now lives in Casa Grande. Marcus lives in Casa Grande, but uh, the kids, uh, the little boy Marcus and Marquesia, would come over to our house and, and play with my daughter and hang out there. We they were townhouses. We're all next to each other. They were condos. And on Christmas one time, they gave they made us a Christmas card, and it said, "Thank you for teaching us that not all white people are bad." Thank you. So, and it was <laughs> uh, you know, so there is that sort of thing. But your mother's generation grew up like that. But there were reasons for it though, because yes, there, it was. There was there was something called the Nader in the twenties when a lot of if you if you study the history, there were a lot of very vibrant economically. Uh, uh, prosperous African-American communities throughout the United States. Do
2: You, you ever heard of uh, what happened in Oklahoma City? Sure, the they black Wall Street. Nobody have heard of this. You ever yeah. heard of Black Wall no, Street? Never and heard. It's, it's, you ever heard of Black Wall Street? Black Wall Street is when, when when black people in Oklahoma City said we've had enough of this racism. You stay on your side, we stay on our side. So you got black doctors, lawyers, people went to college just rich black people com- created their own community. We're not shot with the white people. They got mad. Went over there one night. It was a black black guy bumped into a lady on the elevator she streamed rape. went over there and killed all the black people now, nobody they don't tell you you know how i found this out I was looking at BBC one day, yeah. and they was talking about the bomb and what it a, was—a black pastor and a white pastor. He was like, "Well, white people has been born, we, we've been terrorists for years. Y'all, y'all burnt down, you know, uh, Oklahoma City, Black Wall Street." And I'm sitting there like, "What is he talking about?" And the white pastor—nobody's talking about that. So my husband is no history. I said, "What the heck is Black Wall Street?" That's how I learned about. Not it. Not only that, Oklahoma—that Oklahoma City during the, the situation you're
0: talking about was the first time in history that a uh, uh, there was a domestic aerial bombing because white guys got in biplanes and flew over. The in- black people planes and, yeah. and burned them up. Yeah, and, and dropped gasoline bombs on their, houses. on their houses.
2: On their houses. And, and there, nobody talks about
0: there's that. There's a movie that it does a really poor job of explaining it uh, called Rosewood. It was made like a... That movie. was good. Yeah, yeah, but
2: you know what? Here's <laughs> the reality.
0: It was a good movie. It was a good movie. But <laughs> it didn't show the depths. It did not show the depths. what happened in the late teens, early 20s in America, you see St. Louis, Pete, you go to East St. Louis, you know, I, you know, there are bloods that go, I'm not going to East St. Louis, you know, but East St. Louis was a vibrant community. Oklahoma City, Rosewood, it goes on and on, and all those communities were destroyed. So that generation, earlier generation, the great, you know, uh, that would be the great grandparents of black people and stuff, go, don't trust white people. You know, yeah. white people are crazy. They'll turn on you. And a lot of those gains were then, it, it was all the way back into the 50s and 60s with Martin Luther King. Before they were able to go, all right, we gotta go, we gotta we gotta fight back now. We gotta fight back. Is it back. just
1: me or does this conversation feel like it should be finished by I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Donald Trump. But that's what scared me, because I don't I don't I don't want to lose my white friend. Yeah. I like everybody. I sure. love everybody. Yeah. And I think we all the same. Don't nothing separate us but our address. Yeah. I mean to me, I don't care who you are, because it could be nice black people and it could be crazy black people. I, craziness is in there. Every race, yeah, um, and that's the me. last card I ever want to pull. Is me, race
0: I know because my wife is Mexican. So uh. you Mexican?
2: <laughs> well, I love to see when people mix. That's what's wrong with America. We got to keep mixing yeah. so we can. Hey, it's gonna be if you if everybody's mixed with something, it's gonna be hard to call your grandbaby the N word. But if we mix too much, we'll all end up Canadian.
1: Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, I tell you so, I, I think I've said this to you before. I ha- uh, Montreal being one of the oldest cities in North America yes. and having a very European feel where I grew up. Uh, the cultures have been so mixed for so many years that one gave us one of the best cuisines, one of yeah, the best food absolutely. cities in all <laughs> of the world. But uh, I was there with my physician friend one time, and um, so I, I'm saying this from a medical perspective, and he's looking at this absolutely drop dead stunning girl. And, but you can't tell what her ethnicity is. Yeah. And he just looks at me and he shakes his head and he's like in a happy way, you know, and just says, "Rick, one day the world is going to be a beautiful place."
0: Sure. That's, sure. that's right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Rick, you got to get me uh,
2: with your brother so yeah. we can add a little blackness into you <laughs> connect your family. Our, our little
0: grandson is uh, is uh, part white, part Mexican, part Native American. Jesus
1: you know? Christ! What are you finally, <laughs> someone who's part funny. We got that. <laughs> what are
2: you say? <laughs> my Too daughter, soon. My <laughs> daughter picked up my birth certificate one day, and she was like, Oh, my God, your birth certificate say Negro. And I had no idea my birth certificate said Negro. So I pulled out my granddaddy, and it said the N-word. I was like, holy crap, but he was po-po-N-word. Yeah. And I was like, I told my cousin, pull out your birth certificate. Yeah. They call him as Negroes. <laughs> she, she, she pulled out her, and she just said, mine say ho. <laughs>
1: Man.
0: <laughs> listen, I know you guys got stuff to do. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I, you got to come back. I, this has been one of my favorite conversations. Well, thank you. Alone. Thank you. So I, I love, love yeah, thoughts, people I, like you.
1: I, 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 I very seldom do this push, but I honestly encourage uh, anyone who's listening to uh, Check Miss P- whether it's this weekend or any weekend, uh, just uh, it's so refreshing to hear a voice on stage where you listen to a set and go, well, that can't be stolen by anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah. is just that is hers and that is hers alone
0: if you uh if you're interested and i don't see why you're not it's uh, you go to houseofcomedy.net that's houseofcomedy.net miss pat two shows tonight two shows tomorrow one show sunday at rick bronson's house of comedy on 5350 hold on hold on we did this just for you hi <laughs> street <laughs> i like it Ah. Be here at 420. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an entertainment district street. I mean, you can love it. You can park and you can enjoy yourself the entire evening beautiful. right in that area. Beautiful club, beautiful place, beautiful people. You are listening to uh, this American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We're going to take a brief break where you hear the music of Flathead, and we will be right back.